Good morning, everyone. I'm Angela Davis, and you're listening to NPR News. So glad you could be with us today. Home DNA tests have become a tool to help people discover their family tree. But what happens when you find a new branch in your tree that you didn't even know was there? What if you discovered an unknown relative or an unexpected relationship with someone you've known your entire life? Well, you're not alone. Many people have taken a home DNA test and received a bombshell revelation. The result you've been handed, an answer you weren't expecting, has now changed your life. Grief and a loss of identity can come with the discovery. It can also stir up feelings of betrayal and bring up new questions about your family health history. It can also be the beginning of a wonderful new relationship. This hour, I'm going to talk with a writer who discovered that her biological father was not who she thought he was through a home DNA test. I also have a therapist uh, on the line with us to talk to us about how to process the emotions we can feel when we discover a big family secret. And we are, of course, taking your phone calls. I want to hear from you. Have you uncovered a big family secret? How did it affect you and your relationships? And if you took one of those home uh, DNA tests, those ancestry tests in the past, did you discover a shocking result? Are you sitting on a secret right now? Tell us why you've decided to keep it to yourself. Call us at 651-227-6000. Again, you can call 651-227-6000 or 800-242-2828. You'll also find me on Twitter. You can tweet me at Angela Davis MPR. Let's bring in our guest. We have on the line Leanne Hay. Leanne is a freelance writer and the author of NPE, the story guide for unexpected DNA discoveries. She's joining us from Plano, Texas, right outside of Dallas. Good morning, Leanne. Good morning, Angela. In case you're wondering, NPE stands for non-paternity event. And that's a situation in which someone who's presumed to be an individual's father is not, in fact, the biological father. Okay. Also on the line, we have Kirsten Lynn Seal. And Kirsten is a licensed marriage and family therapist here in the Twin Cities. She practices in Minneapolis. Hi, Kirsten. Hi, Angela. Lovely to be here. Yes, glad to have both of you uh, to join us for this conversation. And and I should mention to people that this is very personal to me because it was during the pandemic that I discovered a sibling, a half-sibling that I never knew about. So, Leanne, tell us your story. You've shared it publicly many times and you've written about it. How did you make this shocking discovery about your biological father? Uh, about five and a half years ago, I decided to take uh, a DNA test from one of the commercial DNA companies because I was interested in finding out the finer points, uh, details of my genetic history. Sure. Um, my mom was from a family that was 100% Sicilian. My dad's family, um, who, interestingly enough, their genealogy I had worked on with a cousin um, was 100% Slovenian. Mm-hmm. And I thought it would be interesting to find out what the finer details were, because at that point in time, uh, over five years ago, the DNA tests were just starting to reveal you know, smaller percentages or unique um, ethnicities. Yes. So I thought this would be fun and interesting because the majority of the world's armies marched through Sicily over the course of the past couple thousand years. And Slovenia was a country that, whose borders changed frequently uh, before the 20th century. So let's see what's going to what what might develop. Never, never, ever dreaming 
that when I received my results, um, it would show that uh, my dad who raised me was not my biological father. And so as you're looking at the results, how did you, how did you know that? Because he didn't show up in the results? I, uh, he did not show up in the results. I didn't understand the initial results that I saw because it showed me that I was a half 50% um, Italian, Southern European. And the other 50% were things that I had no recollection of. Uh, it listed uh, English and Scottish and French. And I thought, well, I guess a lot of armies marched through Slovenia too. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, kept clicking on different tabs, uh, furiously trying to figure out what was going on. And I found the tab that said, uh, see your DNA matches. Mm -hmm. And that is an area where you can, others who have agreed to share their DNA information, uh, open it up to people seeing it. And I had opted into that and clicked on the tab and the name at the top of the list as the relative that was closestly related to me was a half brother and the oldest son of my mentor. So names you recognized and they're yes. connected to uh, a man who was your mentor. Yes. And his name is, is a, he's a junior of a senior. Okay. And that's why when I saw the name, it shocked me. Cause you're like, I know these people, but why am I related to them? Oh, as soon as I saw it, I, how can I put this? There were so many flashes of emotion and fear and anger and shame and longing all rolled into one because I loved my mentor dearly. Um, he was a wonderful man to me, very kind, um, spent a lot of time with me through uh, junior high, middle school and high school, even into my first couple of years of college. And he was also my mother's boss. So I knew that something had been going on for a very long time. Um, also, both uh, him and my mother had passed many, many years ago. And the only one who was still left was my dad, who was 93 years old at the time. So I really didn't have anyone else to talk to about this that was closely related to me, except to reach out to my half sibling. Because in that moment, also, you don't know if your father who raised you, if he knows. Exactly. And my choice was not to tell him. It took me several months to come to that decision. And taking the time to work through my feelings, to work through what the pros and cons would be of revealing to my dad that he wasn't my biological father was a decision that was made very carefully. And what I concluded for me was that if he did know, I was positive that I would be furious in the moment. And he didn't really deserve that because he was a good dad to me. Mm-hmm. The opposite of that was, is I would never know whether he did know or if there was any other information he could share with me about why the secret was kept and how this all happened. So 
I decided to take one for the team, as they say, and decided that I knew how devastated I was with this information. Mm -hmm. And I just couldn't do that to him, particularly at his advanced age and the health condition that he was in at the time. You chose, so it was you chose not to do any more harm. Exactly. Right. And then I, and just, I, I just want to pause you for a moment, Leanne, because I, I can tell, I mean, this happened more than five years ago. Again, you've, you've publicly talked about it. You've written about it. I can tell it still hurts. Oh, it does. It does. But I think when you love deeply, you grieve deeply. And I, I don't live with it every day, but certainly when I talk about it, I recall mm-hmm. those memories. And I loved all of my parents. And I'm still disappointed that all of them didn't trust me enough to share this secret with me, to tell me the truth and to believe in me that I would still love and respect them. And your father you grew up with, has he also now passed away? Yes, he Mm -hmm. passed away. uh, It's going to be three years. And I published the book after he passed. Now, so you have half siblings then. So your mother's boss, who is in fact, or was in fact your biological father, he had children. So you have half siblings? Yes, I have five half siblings that are all um, significantly older than me. My youngest half sibling is 12 years older than me. Mm-hmm. My oldest half sibling is 28 years older than me. Do they know? Did you reach out and tell them? Um, yes, I reached out originally to my oldest half brother who appeared on the DNA test results because he was open to connection mm-hmm. and sent him an email. And unfortunately, it did not go well. Um, I initially told him that I was interested in my medical history, how we had made this connection, and what he could share with me that I wanted nothing from him or his family. And if he would please provide me with, you know, health history, that would be a valuable gift to me as well as to my children. Yes. Because Mm -hmm. every form I had filled out for my entire life and my children's lives was not exact. Mm -hmm. Um, So that you said that's the oldest. And what about the other siblings? Half siblings? Um, Well, it precipitated my connection with him was unfortunately broken off because he wanted to keep everything secret and refused to give me my medical history. So I said to him, I, you know, I have to have my medical history. So I'm going to be reaching out to others. And he said, if you do that, I'll never talk to you again. And I was like, that's a gamble I'm willing to take. So I reached out to my youngest half brother who I actually knew um, because when I was in high school, I had babysat for his two daughters. And flashing back on that memory was very bittersweet as well, because I had had contact with him. Um, He went to work for my biological father. He was an attorney into the family law firm. And my mother was um, paralegal slash personal Mm -hmm. secretary of my biological father. And when my half-brother needed a babysitter when he was first married and had a couple of young kids. Uh, he gave me a call and I babysat my nieces without mm-hmm. knowing it. All right, Leanna, again, I'm going to um, take a moment here. I want to talk with our other guest, uh, Kirsten. Uh, you're a marriage and family therapist. Uh, have you heard stories similar to this with some frequency as, as you talk with clients? 
Yeah, it's really interesting. I actually have heard um, some similar stories around people who find out that their biological father is actually someone who is in their lives, but they didn't realize that he was their biological father until they end up taking a DNA test. Sometimes people wonder, you know, but again, we don't, we don't know until we actually have that DNA information, which again is, you know, it's such a, it's kind of such a neutron bomb that goes off through a family system when this kind of discovery happens. Yeah, it would it just shake your foundation. So how do you know how do people typically deal with the information? What do they tell you how they feel about it? Yeah. Well, so so it's it it is it's kind of just like Leanne said um is is what I hear. People are devastated. Um sometimes there can be a sense of validation like oh, you know, like you suspected this thing to be true and then you find out it's true. But again, it doesn't matter how much you prepare to 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 get that information, it still is a huge shock. And then sometimes it comes as completely out of the blue. You know, like um I don't know, you know their family members say, "Oh, let's all do our DNA, you know, test for you know, for Christmas and find out, you know, our Irish heritage. And then it turns out that actually there's Greek heritage for one person. And why is that? Um, and so it's, it's, um, it, it really depends. I mean, there's a lot of uh, different factors, right? Whether the parents um, are still alive mm-hmm. uh, can really make a difference. Because in other words, are you going to then go and confront your mom? Like if your mother's still alive, you find out, you know, that, that you're who, the person you grew up thinking was your father wasn't actually your biological father. Are you going to go talk to your mom about that and sort of see what's going on? Or again, if they've passed away, they're no longer with us, then how do you integrate that into your sense of identity? Then the other thing that can be very, um, can have a lot to do with it is how, what what your extended family is like, right? Like Mm -hmm. if they're, you know, because, you know, I think that in a way, we have this picture that all, you know, families should, should, quote unquote, operate a certain way. And in fact, there's so many variables, as we all know, given that we're all living, you know, in some kind of family system, um, or certainly grew up in one, you know, we don't, we don't really know. There's so many variables in different ways families can show up. And so if you have extended family with whom you can discuss things like this, it tends to be very helpful. I'm very sad for Leanne that, you know, that she had such an unfortunate um Oh, you know, uh, sort of connection or disconnection, rather, with that first person she reached out to that has got to have been, uh, you know, made things more difficult. Yeah, because that's the thing, because not everyone will have the same reaction to the news. Some people might be excited exactly. about it and open to it, and others may not be, be very opposed to it. Right. And so then how does right. that affect your relationships, you know, as you move forward with folks, you know, who who are here. Um, but I, I want to go back to something she said about she needed to know our family health history. That's no small thing. Yes. Like, is there a, a background of cancer in the family or heart disease? Like, exactly. you need to know that. You do need to know that. And, you know, that's, that's, it's like there's two buckets. One bucket is this, this piece around sort of family relationship and betrayal and feelings of not knowing and that you were, that a secret was kept from you that, that, and then connected to that second bucket, which is the medical history, which is really a huge, you know, as we, as we get as a society, you know, better and better at sort of fixing a lot of things that can go wrong with our human bodies. You know, that's really important information. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's, uh, yep. So it's sort of d- deep on a concrete level and very deep on a spiritual and psychological level too.
I want to bring in some of our listeners because we're getting lots of phone calls already. If you're just joining us, we're talking about family histories, family secrets. Have you uncovered a deep family secret? And if so, how did it affect you and your relationships? If you took one of those home DNA tests in the past because you wanted to know more about your, your ancestry, did you discover something that was shocking? Or are you sitting on a secret right now? Let's talk about it. Call us at 651-227-6000 or 800-242-2828. Uh, let's take a, a phone call in St. Paul. This is Bree who's on the line. Good morning, Bree. What do you want to tell us? Yeah, good morning. Thanks for having me. Mm-hmm. Um, I called immediately when I heard the subject because I've had a similar experience. Um, about three years ago now, I took a home DNA test only to log on and find that I had 11 half siblings. Um, For context, I'm an only child or thought I was. Mm. Um, And my first thought was, you know, obviously my my dad's been running around, what's going on? Um, But then I noticed we were all born in 1994 um, and realized that I had, um, yeah, 11 half siblings my age. Um, And it wasn't until one of them, you know, reached out and said, hey, you must be very confused right now. Um, Just so you know, we are sperm donor um, children. Here's the certificate. It's anonymous. Um, Have a great day. And so um, after that, I was very confused. Um, This has never even been hinted to me um, by my parents or anybody else in my family. So it was it was a huge, huge shock. So what's the answer? How is this possible? Yeah, that's that's a great question. I have this has been a secret that I've been keeping, um, or at least my knowledge of it um, ever since. So I have not talked to any of my family members about it. Okay, but is, is it your understanding um, that you're the child of is it a child of a sperm donor? Is that what Correct. happened? Yeah, that's what happened. Correct. Yeah. Okay, so you went from thinking you were an only child to actually finding out you have eleven half siblings. Correct. Yep. And more. I get emails every day saying they found new relatives. (laughs) Right. And um, you don't know, your parents don't know, the people who raised you don't know that you know. Don't don't know that I I know. No, but um, my fiance and I, you know, are looking to have children Mm -hmm. relatively soon. Um, And I think that's kind of where my line is drawn. if, If I have this conversation with, you know, my mom or my parents, Mm-hmm. about having children, and it's not mentioned to me about the medical history or anything that could play into that, I think that's probably when I would mention that I do know mm-hmm. um, that this is the case. All right. Thank you, Bree. And um, Kirsten, what would you say uh, to Bree? Um, you know, like yeah. she's sitting on this information, because that's the, the next question. Who do you choose to tell? What do you do with it? Right. Yeah. That's really deep. You know, the, the whole sperm donor issue is like a whole nother level here. Um, and I've had experience with, with clients with both in both people who were going to use sperm donors and also children who, but the, uh, uh, my experience has been with some people who did already know that they were sperm donors and other, or had, were children of sperm donors rather. And in, in those circumstances, um, the, everything is kind of out on the table, but clearly this wasn't the case for Brie. And, um, you know, the level of betrayal, it's, it's sort of different. It's like, is, is it because, you know, her dad, something was with his sperm that, you know, didn't work properly or, you know, what was it? Was there infertility? Were there infertility issues? I mean, this would be my guess. But the idea that she's now a young woman and engaged 
you know, and ready to start her own family and she still hasn't heard that from her parents, that is that's a tough one. My recommendation would be, you know, to 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 have the conversation. Um, you know, I, it it is true. Usually when there's a family secret, most of the time it's because people, usually parents are trying to protect their children from something mm-hmm. that they just feel is going to be too damaging or too concerning or they or they don't have the tools to sort of share that information in a in what they hope would be a productive way. And so they just don't say anything. And then as the years go by, it's sort of like you get built up this, you know, this shell of this story that you've been telling or not telling. And it just seems to get harder and harder. So, I mean, I guess I would say, um, you know, obviously it's, you know, Bree's call what to do, but I, um, I would, I, I wonder what would happen if she said something to her parents, like, you know, um, there's a conversation I think we really need to have. There's some information that, that I need to have. And I, think we need to talk about it and sort of to, you know, maybe give them a heads up in some way that that this is a really important conversation and then see if they can come to, you know, come to uh, come to her with this information. But it's 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 big. And um, yeah, go Go ahead, ahead, Leanne. Yeah, there's also another consideration in here. Mm -hmm. And first of all, Brie, if you're still listening, I want to tell you how sorry I am that you have made that discovery. I know how hard this can Mm be. And I have many colleagues who are donor-conceived persons. And I would suggest to you um, another thing to think about while you are considering what action or not you want to take. And that is your parents, your mom and dad who raised you, may not know this. There is a tremendous Mm. amount of donor fraud um, that mm. is revealed from DNA mm. tests where the doctor uses his own genetic material unbeknownst to the mother and the parents, particularly oh. since you mentioned, Brie, that you had are aware of 11 siblings all born in the same year. Mm-hmm. Um, I would reach out or possibly, you know, connect with those other siblings to see who has found out what. You also mm. might want to consider reaching out to a, a DNA search angel organization like dnagels.org, um, who will help you find a birth parent for no charge, because mm. this has can have greater ramifications. Your parents, your mom and dad may not know that you were are not your dad's child. And Leanne, I have to add something. Yeah. You know, when I was a, a reporter um, uh, in Washington, D.C., working at a television station, I actually helped cover a very high profile case in Northern Virginia where there was a doctor who had been using his own sperm um, with, with clients um, who didn't didn't know that. You know, they thought they were, you mm. know, that the sperm was being donated um, from another source. And uh, this is a person who was actually the father of, of, of dozens and dozens of people. So I, I'm glad that you mm. mentioned that. They're just, um, yeah, you don't know. Wow. Um, let me take another no, phone call. Yeah, that's oh. really important. Uh, and, yeah, and, no, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, yeah, Leanne, thank you for that. That's a really important, that's really important information. And yep. So, Okay, in uh, St. Paul, we've got Jennifer on the phone. Uh, Jennifer, we're talking about family secrets, and what did you want to tell us? Hi, Angela. Um, I had a couple of reasons for um, wanting to know who my biological father was. I've um, had a fainting issue um, pretty much all my life. Um, Once I found him, I didn't find out 
anything valuable. Um, so I just, you know, went to the doctor and, and we figured it out from there. Um, so no help from ancestry there. And also I was curious. Um, I'm one of the lucky people because my parents never hid the fact that my the person who raised me, the male figure, wasn't my biological father. And then when I was eight years old, they asked um, if I wanted to have him adopt me. And I said, of course, you know, because I loved him. And he, you know, raised me and loved me and protected me. And so um, he became my father. Um, so in 2017... Um, I pursued my search, and my mom actually bought me um, the kit. She bought herself a kit also. And um, it came back. I, I ended up finding my first cousin on there, and we, we touched base, and she said, yeah, I think my uncle uh, might be your biological father. Um, so besides the fact that I didn't find out anything about my condition, yeah, I, I agree that you can't prepare for what you're going to find. There's just no way to prepare because once you meet these people and you start talking to them, um, you find stuff out. For instance, my great-grandfather, who was in World War I, was um, recovering in the hospital uh, from being uh, gassed with mustard gas. He was sharing a room with a Canadian gentleman, and the story goes that he... Once the Canadian guy passed away, he switched the charts so that my grandfather, my great grandfather, switched the charts so that he could get this guy's pension because you had to do anything that you had to do mm. back then to get money. Because my grandfather's name on his birth certificate, his last name, is not my father's last name. Wow. So it's it's really interesting. Uh, Jennifer um, and, and St. Paul there um, brings up an interesting point. There are all kinds of family secrets. And what are some of the other types that you've heard about, Kirsten, as you've worked with clients in therapy? Well, I mean, one of the one of the most difficult ones is often um, sort of childhood sexual abuse, you know, within mm -hmm. families. That's a really mm -hmm. tough one. And um, that's kind of it, clearly why people want to keep those things secret. But my experiences that generally secrets like this come to light. Um, yeah. And other, so that's a very interesting story that Jennifer just told about sort of someone actually kind of switching, changing their identity. Um, other family secrets have to do with sort of the history of the family. Um, for example, you know, someone like um, children who are descendants of Holocaust survivors, for example, it's not so much necessarily that it's a secret, but that is something that is not to be spoken of. And this, and, th and this is the kind of information that just carries a great deal of power. Often when people come back from wars, um, people that, who, who survived the Holocaust, and they raise their families, and <clears throat> their feeling was it was so terrible that they can't possibly share any of this. It's just too painful to share with their children for whom they're trying to create this whole new life, right? And so this is, I think, a place where family secrets start out. But um, as we as we're hearing um, and as I know from my clinical experience, you know, it's really in in, in many ways the most uh, open and honest you can be about, especially when you're thinking about issues of foundational identity, like where we come from. Right. Who, who are we? Um, because we, we we construct an identity from the ground up in this way. And this is why things like NPDs can be so sort of destabilizing for people. And it takes quite some time to get over it. And then it also you still have something of a trauma reaction, you know, which I kind mm -hmm. of was hearing when Leanne was talking, you know, yes, she said when, you know, when, when she's talking about it, it, it comes back, right? Mm -hmm. She's worked on it, integrated, done a lot of processing, you know, in a good place. And this is still pain. These, these, these are still painful, um, 
painful realities. Leanne, how are, how are you doing now? I mean, I mean, you talk about it and you're, you're able to share it publicly. You find out that your mother's boss is actually your biological father. But are you different in any way, do you think, than you were five and a half years ago? Oh, I'm completely different. Um, finding mm. out who my biological father was kind of answered a lot of questions that I had throughout my childhood because I lived in an mm. environment where I always sensed that something was off. What do you mean? I, what do you mean? I, my mother was not very kind to me. And also she was kind of absentee in that she spent a lot of time away from home in addition to working outside of the home. And I never really understood it because after I had my two daughters years later, I saw a very devoted, loving, kind, patient grandmother. And I remember thinking to myself at the time, wow, I didn't know she was capable of this. That's, that's great. I'm, you know, I'm happy Mm. for my daughters, but where was this, you know, 35, 40 years ago? And it answered a lot of questions that hung out there. Why I look the way I am. I'm very, very fair-skinned um, with blue eyes and dark hair. Uh, my mother's family is darker-skinned from the Sicilian side. Um, my dad's family is it was medium-colored, textured skin. So I was always the tall white one in the picture of the cousins. I mean, it was just hilarious when I look back at these pictures now. Um, it's interesting to see what commonalities I have, particularly with my younger half brother. Um, I was talking with my sister-in-law a few weeks ago and she talks about how he's always eating, you know, crackers late at night and crunchy foods. And I thought to myself, Ooh, I guess I shouldn't tell her about my bad habits. (laughs) And it's interesting how, even though I didn't, I wasn't raised with him, I wasn't in the same home with him, how we have a lot of similar interests and mannerisms. Um, it makes me think about the nature versus nurture theories of, of biology mm-hmm. and the commonalities in occupations and hobbies are something that can't be denied. And I see this with all of the other NPEs that I talked with while researching mm-hmm. my book and, and told about, you know, it all the time. Let's take a phone call from Eden Prairie, where Larry is on the phone. Good morning, Larry. What do you want to tell us? Good morning, Angela. I uh, am adopted, was adopted, and that was no secret. I knew all my life. Mm -hmm. But I always wanted to know my family history. So in August of 1992, I ended up finding my birth parents and sending a letter to them. A short time about this and asking if they really were my birth parents. And then a short time later, a few days, I received a letter back from my birth father saying, no, I had made a mistake, that they had had a miscarriage and I wasn't their son. But I knew this was not true, so I was persistent. So I gathered more information and finally made a phone call and had a, a like a flow chart set up for questions and answers because I was very emotional and I have, I'm an in, have an engineer background. So I decided to go that route. And finally I got the question for my mother, if she was my birth mother and she said, there's a, yes, I could be. And what I found out later is that when they received the letter, 
from me. They were going square dancing, driving. My mom opened the letter and started reading it, and she just dropped it like it was burning her hands. She couldn't. This was a secret. I was their secret that they had told no one in the family. They have two daughters. They didn't tell anyone, and they were so afraid that this secret was going to get out and just ruin their lives. So they just drove around crying and talking, but since my mom had given me up for adoption, it's like she put a wall in her head that she couldn't think about me or talk about me. And so once I sent the letter, that was just a total shock. And uh, so- in the end, I, I connected with them. My mom told her sister, and her sister told everybody, and we went back, my wife and I, at that time, went back for a reunion, and it just felt like home. just felt like, this is where I really belong. So, Larry, it, it sounds so, like, did your mother, um, did she have you before she was so, married? So and, and then here's, Yeah, here's what happened. She got pregnant before they were married, mm-hmm. but they went ahead and got married, went off to another state, had me, but everybody would know that they had sex before they were married. So she just, they couldn't, she was young. She didn't know if the marriage would last. She thought, all right, she just couldn't raise me by herself. So they decided to give me up for adoption. And ironically, everyone, um, they kept this secret, but now everyone knows anyway. So it's just a big regret, but you move on. That's the past. And and we have a great relationship and, uh, my kids um, were born after my adoptive parents passed away, so they only know this family and this, these grandparents. Although my my birth father has since passed away, but I got to know so, him. And Larry, you have siblings. You have full siblings. I do mm-hmm. two sisters, and they 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 talked to me. They it was a few months before they would see their daughters face to face, so we had to keep mm-hmm. it quiet for a few mm-hmm. months. I would call, but if uh, one of their daughters is still at home. If she answered, I was to hang up because they needed to tell their both their daughters face to face. And it was mm-hmm. so on Christmas Day of 1992, they told their daughters, and and I got a phone call. And it was just a a great call. My sister said, "I've always wanted a brother." <laughs> just was, it was a great story. So That's up. Larry uh, there in Eaton Prairie. Thank you for sharing that, uh, Larry. And he, uh, Leanne, is an example. It can uh, lead to some wonderful relationships. It can. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And one should, going into this should not have an expectation of either or. Right. The expectation hopefully will be that you will get your medical information. That's the most important component of all of this. Right. And if you have a relationship that comes out of it, that's wonderful. And that's a bonus to it all. Um, I hope that other people that make this discovery, particularly now uh, during the Christmas season, when DNA testing kits are going to be gifted to groups of families and friends and whatnot, that people will keep this in mind, that being, yeah. being fully aware of what can happen and how they would yeah. react to it. Kirsten, what do you think about people giving yeah. those uh, tests as gifts? I have a whole stack of them in my house. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like yeah, why is this I, a gift? Why is, why is this I, a thing? Yeah, I, <laughs> right. I, I, I think it's like, 
Honestly, like in some ways, I think it's like giving somebody a grenade for Christmas. You know, (laughs) I mean, again, good things can come out of it. But I think what's really important is that people get to make the choice themselves. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, yes, this is something I'd like to find out. And oh, by the way, you know, now I'm understanding that there could be these other consequences of this action instead of the sort of, you know, tra-la, tra-la, I was, you know, born on the coast of Spain or whatever, right? Or, you know, the, the, you know, our family is from and here are all these interesting things. And there are a lot of interesting things. I really love um, Larry's story. Um, it's, mm. it's so wonderful um, that this, you know, and, and he persisted through some, mm-hmm. you know, some sort of stonewalling, um, which I think is, you know, I mean, kudos to him. And then it ended up that, you know, his sister saying, I've always wanted a brother. I mean, that's really lovely. Um, and those kinds of things can happen. But again, totally really, um, you know, underscoring what Leanne just said about not having expectations one way or the other. And then the other thing I will say again, which we sort of alluded to earlier, is that no matter how much you do prepare for uh, for something like this, it really is different when it happens to you. Because there is, there's so much grief and loss in terms of the, the life you thought you had. And yes, you did have that kind of life, but everything is just sort of sort of colored differently. The perspective is different when you find out these things that you didn't know. And then the sense of betrayal can be big. And again, sort of trying to have compassion, you know, thinking about the story of somebody getting pregnant and, oh, if we had the baby and the baby was born full term, but we'd only been married for five months. I mean, the kind of stigma that um, that has been associated with this, I think, is is one of the really damaging societal aspects. And you know, if, if you last. think about for a lot of uh, these uh parents, you know, these are things that happened in maybe the 50s and the 60s, a very different time than today, right? So you have to consider what was happening at that time in their lives. Um, I want to take another phone call. In Duluth, we have Mary on the phone. Mary, what do you want to ask or share as we talk about family secrets? Hi. Hi. Um, Thanks for taking my call. Mm -hmm. Uh, What advice would you have or does the guest have to open up a secret that hasn't yet been revealed Like, uh, I know of an adolescent girl who doesn't know who her real biological father is, but it's becoming really apparent that she may need to know because she's having contact with um, cousins that she doesn't even know that are her cousins. And Mm. it's a very sensitive situation. Um, Has she asked about her biological father? No, no, she does not know that her dad that raised her is not her biological mother. She has no reason to question, okay. right? And so there's no reason for mm-hmm. her to even question it. No, mm-hmm. she has no clue. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. I have spoken. Yeah, I have spoken with well over a thousand NPEs who were adopted, um, products of an affair, sexual assault, donor conceived. Um, all kinds of different variables, and including myself, I cannot express how important it is to tell your child the truth. Yes. It is, yes. It is easy to heal from a hurt when you have the truth. But when you have a lie that festers, particularly for years, if not decades, Mm-hmm. Then what calls into what's called into question is well what else have they lied to me about? Mm-hmm. Was their love conditional? Did mm-hmm. something occur mm-hmm. because they knew this was out there hanging over their heads? Mm-hmm. And it shakes the foundation of a relationship. 
I -hmm. always try to share with people to consider that when you have the truth, there's space for healing. When -hmm. you have a lie, you've already built a wall to stop and close off that space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, yeah. the, and the, the, um, the couple in question here, they are divorced also. They did get a mm-hmm. divorce. But Mary, you're so, sort of, you're like an outsider, right? You, you're related to this couple, but yeah. are your question yes. like, is it my place to, to, to do anything? Is that what's part of the problem? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get information because, um, I tried to get the mother to listen to this, but she wasn't able to sit and listen. So I'm listening. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I just want to help give her information because the conversation is being talked about. How to present this. How to bring this forward. This young relative. This young girl. This girl. You're concerned. She said she's in a social circle with people who are her cousins. Is it you're concerned that she could start dating them? Uh. Well, well, I don't know. Or just that the fact I that she doesn't we know. I really thought of that. No, I mean, possibly, possibly. But it's, you know, it's two, it's two young girls. It's not, it's not a, right. so, you know. Well, you know, uh, Kirsten, you said at the beginning, secrets, they always come out in the end. Most of the time they come out, right? <laughs> You know what? Right. They, and they always that's come why out. And, we're yeah. really looking at it now. Mm-hmm. All right. Thank you, yeah. Mary. I, yeah. Oh, can I say yes, something briefly? Mm-hmm. Um, I, so I, Mary, I, I really, I really, really um, totally support what Leanne said. I think it's really important um, that, and, and I would say the sooner the better. It, you know, it's not a bad idea if you, if the people, you know, are, you know, family therapy can be really helpful as a way to, sort of help have this, these really difficult conversations. But if, you know, nobody's on board with that, then I would say, you know, sort of saying, you know, I really want us to all sit down. I would start with, with the mom and sit down and talk to her and sort of, you know, share with her what you've learned. But the thing is, at some point, this will probably come out. And if decades have gone by, there's a lot of um, lost opportunity for people to connect. And also, again, that the, the greater feelings of betrayal and the as Leanne said, you know, what else are they lying to me about? Um, that can be really damaging to relationships. So even though it's hard, I would, I would completely mm-hmm. support trying to figure out a way to, to let this, these young girls know. Leanne, what do you think about that situation? I think it's really important for the mom to sit with her daughter and explain to her how she came to be in age-appropriate language. Right. Um, particularly if this is um, some a child who is approaching puberty. Um, she is probably going to be aware of uh, the biology of her own body, as well as where babies come from. And she'll be able to understand the concept, particularly if this mother is empathetic and compassionate in explaining to her daughter what, whatever the circumstances were. Mm-hmm. Um, the truth told in love is much easier to accept and to embrace than any. Mm -hmm. And it's that betrayal of something that is so innate of a person who is supposed to protect you and love you and nurture you and care you 
um, to find out that they have lied to you for a series of years is devastating and will shake the foundation of even the best relationships. I want to try to so get I, uh, one more call in before our time is mm-hmm. up. This is Jan in Minneapolis. Jan, and Jan, briefly, what do you want to share with us about family secrets? Yes. Hi. Well, first of all, that last caller in the conversation that's um, been happening is right around what I'm talking about. Uh, I have a nephew who is 12 and he is a domestic adoption. He is 100% Mexican, um, adopted to uh, my brother and sister-in-law who are white and he does not know that he's adopted. Um, they did have an open adoption when he was first uh, welcomed into the family. Uh, they did that for a couple years, and then uh, the birth parents um, just sort of fell off and haven't been mm-hmm. back. And so they've never talked about it with him as a child of an age who could understand. Um, and he lives in an all-white community also. And he has said things like, I know I get my curly hair from my dad, but I don't know what I get from my mom. And um, I also have a history. My mom gave birth to a child when she was 19, gave him up for adoption. I did not know about that until I was 20. Um, He actually uh, lives in Minnesota. We met, um, you know, 10 years after that. And we have this story. It is already the secret in our family from that. I had to wait a couple of years to tell my brother about that. Um, but then to sort of perpetuate this, like, secret, um, you know, that's one thing. But also this child, like, what you were just talking about, identity. I think well, about Jen, this every day. Jen, he's, I, I don't want to interrupt, but we just have a minute and a half left here. But yeah, he's 12 years old, right? He's 12? He's 12, okay. yes. Uh, Kirsten, any advice uh, to this, um, this, this woman who's concerned about her nephew who's 12? Yeah, I, I think that it would be really important to, um, to really talk to, you know, his parents and, um, and, and help them understand how important this is because this, he's, he, again, this will most likely come out. And especially with these ideas of, um, you know, again, if he's, if he's both birth parents are Mexican and he's in a white family, like at some point, um, that's going to be really important for him because, and adolescence is a time where developmentally we really solidify our identities. It's one of the reasons why it can be so hard to parent teenagers. And so I would very much um, support her helping them, you know, try to figure out how to how to tell him this. It will be it will be it's it's an incredibly difficult and yet very loving thing to do. I'm sorry, we have to wrap up our conversation. We're out of time. Sounds like we need to revisit it again. I want to thank our guests. We've been talking with Leanne Hay. Leanne, thank you so much for joining us. I, I, I enjoyed thank you for having me, hearing your insight and your advice. Uh, Leanne is a freelance writer and the author of the book NPE, The Story Guide for Unexpected DNA Discoveries, joining us from Plano, Texas. And we've also been talking with Kirsten Lynn Seal, a licensed marriage and family therapist here in the Twin Cities. Today's conversation was produced by Matt Alvarez. Be safe, everybody. We'll talk again tomorrow. Thanks for listening to a recording of my live radio show on NPR News. A reminder that if you want to catch my show in real time, tune in and call in weekdays at 9 a.m.